Maybe we can figure out ways to insulate the Department of Health or at least the CDC if we ever make it from politics. from politics. Because, you know, when you're trying to keep your eye on the ball and protect the nation's health, you don't want any distractions. You know, people who are trying to um, score brownie points at your expense. And it's just very bad because, you know, you're the one trying to address the problem and people are yelling at you and it's very difficult to concentrate. Welcome to Season 2 of Conversations with Randy David, where we explore the various aspects of culture, politics, religion, and everything else that makes us Filipino. This test that we are talking about, Doc, um, this is a new test, no? Be because it's a new virus. Right. Uh, it must be very expensive. Well, you know, if you're a laboratory that does this on a regular basis, you can probably um, do them uh, at minimal cost. The most expensive component of it is the machine. So the mm. RT-PCR machine, it stands for real-time polymerase chain reaction. The machine costs about three to five million pesos. And then what you have to do is basically what you're trying to do is detect the genetic signature of the virus. Uh, and uh, you take swabs, Sindima. Right? Uh, you take swabs and then uh, you extract that. You try to isolate the genetic material of the virus mm -hmm. and you use very specific uh, primers. We ca you can think of it as like an amplifier. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and uh, it'll tell you if the virus is there. Ito ba yung ribbon nucleic acid or yes. something? So this is a virus. This virus is an RNA virus. Mm -hmm. um, our, our own genetic material is DNA. So mm -hmm. deoxyribonucleic acid. The virus is RNA. Mm -hmm. But our PCRs, our polymerase chain reactions, work better uh, with DNA. So you mm -hmm. copy the RNA to the DNA, put it into the machine, and mm -hmm. then the machine tells you if it's there or not. If you really want to be sure, you can actually read the genetic sequence. Uh, we call it sequencing. Do we have this capability now, Doc, So yeah. Pilipinas? Absolutely. We so we have those machines. In NIH, in my institute, we have four, four RT-PCR machines. Mm -hmm. So the way that we do the testing, initially at least, is with what we call reference labs. Laboratories that have access to... To, to positive samples, so mm -hmm. you know what to compare it against, mm -hmm. and laboratories that have a track record of very, very meticulous mm -hmm. uh, best practices. Mm -hmm. So initially, the reference lab, because we hadn't had any cases here, was Australia. So we really had to send so, the samples there. Mm -hmm. And then, once we started having samples here, and they also sent samples to us, we our ITM started doing them in our ITM. The mm -hmm. test takes about 24, 48 hours at I most. Yeah. Can you tell us how many so far uh, have been tested um, um, from here? Just an estimate is about 500. Already. 500? Yeah. And how many of those 500 have been confirmed? Uh, uh, three. Now, the other thing you have to understand is because this is a new test, for people who, are, who test negative initially, but they look like they might have the virus, they yeah. will test them again before sending them home. That's just kind of due diligence, especially if they're getting worse. In fact, the, the person who died, yeah. the first test Initially was negative. Initially tested negative. But they tested him again. 
and so it became positive. After he died or ano? Um, one of the samples while he was uh, on the ventilator. I and see. that was positive. Now, the other person, the very first one who became positive, who eventually was discharged, they kept testing her afterwards until but, she was negative before they sent her out. I see. So you can recover from this uh, from the disease. Absolutely. In fact, you're more likely to recover than die from it. Now, whether you have lasting immunity, that's still under investigation. Well, well, talking about misinformation and rumor, doc, many people thought that this was basically just a Chinese disease, no? Uh, afflicting only ethnically Chinese, no? Until Pinoy's aboard that uh, cruise ship have been confirmed to, to be infected. But they're not necessarily going to die in the what, doc? No? Absolutely not. 98%, even higher, 99% are going to be re- recovering. There is now a discussion as to whether it would be wise to bring them home or to keep them where they are in Japan and maybe confined in Japanese hospitals. Where do you stand on this, uh, though? If I have a patient who is sick and they're in a spot, it's always risky to travel because what happens if you're transferring them and they get even sicker? So in general, I would rather have, and Japan has excellent facilities. So that's from a medical standpoint. From a public health standpoint, it's also riskier to transport people because then they can give the disease to other people. So from both perspectives, uh, I think it's more prudent to keep them where they are as long as there's adequate facilities to treat them. Do you think that there was really a need to evacuate Filipinos from Wuhan? I mean, these are people that you're uprooting from their work, from their lives. But at the same time, these are people who are not infected, who could get infected, who are at risk. Mm -hmm. And if the situation becomes worse, then they could potentially die. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a call by the person and the person's government Mm -hmm. in terms of risk assessment as to whether what are the chances that Mm -hmm. A, you're already infected or you're not infected because there's a risk to bringing you home that you might spread it here. And the second is, is they're an imminent threat to your life. And mm-hmm. so they went ahead and brought them home, put them in quarantine facilities, and that's where we are. I, I imagine, Doc, that uh, as an infectious disease specialist, you've been keenly observing how China is handling this uh, health crisis. Right. No. <laughs> so it's it's hard to, I mean, whether or not they were telling the truth early on, yeah. I think they're telling the truth now. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, the WHO, the eyes of the mm-hmm. world are, are, are on are, them. Are, are, yeah. And yeah. the other thing is, in general, from the public health perspective, public health systems globally, there is a shared mutual trust that you are reporting the right numbers. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will be an international pariah because this is the health of the world that we're talking about. So early on in December, I think, yeah. there was some minimization that eh, maybe this is not yeah. person-to-person transmission. Yeah. I would be more careful in how I phrase it. I wouldn't say there's no evidence of person-to-person transmission. I would say there's no, at this time, mm-hmm. we're not seeing person-to-person transmission, but that could change. You know, you can preface change, it no? to leave yourself a back door. Mm-hmm. Because if you say there's no person-to-person transmission, and there is later on, then you've just undermined your own credibility. But they could build a 2,000-bed uh, facility in two weeks. No, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, from an infectious disease specialist perspective, this is an extraordinary way of, of confronting a health crisis in Dubai. You can't expect this from the very poor countries in Africa 
or or in the rest of the world. No. It was pretty impressive. I mean, even the quarantines right now are, Rabion, no? are fairly draconian. But if you look at the history of um, public health emergencies and uh, and how government has dealt with them, um, in times of uh, great public risk, especially public health emergencies mm-hmm. with infectious agents. Uh, traditionally, mm-hmm. government has really tried to use its police power to save lives, yeah. except that it's much harder to do that nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, if you look at the way the Department of Health has tried to respond to this problem, and they're getting all these mm-hmm. criticism and outward, mm-hmm. you know, it's very difficult to do your job when people are yelling at you and you're trying to save people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of the beefs that I have is, you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of this government, <laughs> but the Secretary of Health is driving out the bus <laughs> and mm-hmm. the bus is moving. Mm-hmm. And if we yell at the Secretary of Health, lahat tayo mababanga, madidisgrasya. Do you feel as a public health um, expert that the preparations for whatever crisis uh, are adequate in our country at the moment? I mean, we did very well with MERS-CoV and with with SARS. So those protocols, those are set. And those Mm. are WHO standard. We know what containment means. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Part of the problem really is when you start to see all these political things going on because Uh-oh. it makes it so much harder to do your job. If you saw that Senate hearing where the senators were basically lambasting the Secretary of Health for doing a bad job at contact tracing, I was right behind him, yeah, actually. Yeah, so- but the problem was, there was this was a communication issue because if you look at the SOPs for, uh, the, for contact tracing on a plane, mm-hmm. you trace the foreign front and the foreign back, mm-hmm. not the entire not the plane. Entire plane. And they actually got those foreign front and foreign uh, back oh. in 48 hours. It was only afterwards that they said, wait a minute, what if this patient got up from his chair and went around? Mm-hmm. From a purely public health perspective, that's not considered a close contact because it's just casual mm-hmm. fleeting contact. Mm-hmm. But because they wanted to do that, they decided to go for the whole plane. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when they decided that, that was the time the Senate hearing was going on. Mm-hmm. So it looked like they were not doing their job. Mm-hmm. But I can understand, you know, with the Secretary of Health having so many things going on yeah. that he can't micromanage that. I think if he had more time to think about it, the correct answer would have been, we've traced 100% of the people according to the manual, but to be absolutely sure, we've expanded it to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that would have been fine. Yeah. But if you say 17% of the whole plane, <laughs> understandably, <laughs> people will panic. What but about you know, the 83 other percent? <laughs> right. But you know, the poor guy probably hasn't slept for three days. <laughs> so, I think that we just have to be understanding and we have to be supportive of uh, at least the ones who are who are in charge of the health response yeah. because they're the only thing between us in, the, in a, a generalized pandemic. Totoo, yeah, no? And whether or not you like them, you know, that's all we got. <laughs> unimaginable for me to think of anything happening in Wuhan happening in this country. You mean the... the yung grabe yung spread na ganyan. Right. And yeah. Engulfing an entire city it of can 11 happen. million? Yeah, wow. I think it can. because So here's the interesting thing about infectious diseases in general. Uh-oh. The more deadly an infectious disease is, the less likely it is to spread. Oh, really? Think about it. Ebola. Oh. Patay na yung buong village. 
Tama, hindi oh. na siya magsispread. Oh, oh. Whereas, if Merskov burnt itself out, mm-hmm. SARS burnt itself out. Mm-hmm. But this disease is actually less deadly than Ka- those. So, you actually have the potential for a more mm-hmm. widespread. It's already surpassed the numbers of MERS and SARS. And mm-hmm. it's already surpassed the deaths of MERS and SARS. Why, why is that a problem? Kung hindi naman masyadong deadly, but it's highly infectious. Because then you'll have more victims. It's like the flu. Even mm-hmm. though we say the flu is 0.1, deadly, if you have 15 million cases, yeah, that's more than 100,000. It slows down people, it affects the economy exactly. and everyday life. No? Yeah, and the body count is higher. Even mm. if it's less deadly. Oh, yeah, the body count will be higher. Because you have more cases. Oh my, how do we protect ourselves from a virus like this? Uh, well, doc? the what, most what? important thing is in an unknown virus is really yeah. containment uh, at the start. When you have no medication, effective medication, and no vaccine. No, no vaccine. But at the same time, these things have to all be moving at the same time. You're right. So now there's an unprecedented push to do uh, vaccine work. They think that they might be in clinical trials in six months. It usually takes 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Even vaccine. the SARS vaccine is not out bed, yet. No? But then the other thing is medication. Mm-hmm. They're expecting to do clinical trials for antivirals for NCOV in one month. Wow, really? Yeah. But what they've done is, as a shortcut, is because we had SARS before. Mm-hmm. So they already had some candidate drugs for SARS. Mm-hmm. So they're going to repurpose some of those for this mm-hmm. and they'll do the trials but you can only do the trials in China right now mm-hmm. because there's not enough um, people who are sick yeah. <laughs> anywhere else in the world and that's why that's the epicenter speaking of the number of cases no, there was one day I think last week when the number of confirmed infections rose by at least 14,500. It had more to do with them changing the definition. The problem was that there are a lot of people who were sick and it's influenza season. So what they said was, so in order for people to be properly triaged, properly isolated and properly treated, if you have symptoms that are consistent with, um, with, with NCOV, and you have CT scan findings. I haven't seen mm-hmm. the actual list. This yeah. is what's been reported. Mm-hmm. Then even if you're still waiting for your result, you can be treated as an NCOV patient. It's not necessarily the virus that's causing the, ano, that's correct. the infected lungs. Right. But we have something called pretest probability in medicine, which is the likelihood that you have the disease I that I think you have. And in a place where you have an outbreak like this, yes, the pretest probability uh, is pretty high. So in some cases, nga, even if the test is negative, like what we do, because mm-hmm. your pretest probability is so high, you'll do another test just to confirm. Mm-hmm. But with those patients, the reason why they accepted it as a, as a positive is because they wanted people to access care faster. Mm-hmm. Okay, I the see. WHO is not tracking cases that way yet. Ah, uh, not yet. Yeah. So these are these the sixty thousand or seventy thousand right now. That includes the Hubei numbers. Yes. But if you just go strictly with the the the, the, the tested positives, oh, oh, then yeah. it's still fifty thousand plus. I see. There, there's still a big difference. That's so, yeah. I see. Now I. Uh, one or two last questions, Doc. Now, it, it has been observed that young people, mga bata, no, children, appear uh, to be uh, immune to, to this uh, disease or th- this virus. Uh, Totoo ba yan, Doc? And how come? So, we know that 
uh, viruses can affect your body in two ways. First yeah. is what we call the cytopathic effect. The virus actually kills your cells. The second way that it affects you is that it induces an immune response that harms your own body. Mm -hmm. So if you think about hepatitis uh, B, okay. for instance, hepatitis B, the virus does kill some of the liver cells, but not so much. It's your body trying to get at the virus in your liver cells that actually destroys your Not liver. Not really. It's, it's the immune the system. Yes, that's inflammation. So the oh. respiratory, the acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is what we call yeah. yung maga, na maga yung lungs, yung lungs. Oh, oh. it's because of the immune response mm -hmm. to the virus attacking the virus in the lungs and the lungs become collateral damage. Right. Mm -hmm. See. So in children, oh, in children, their immune systems are not that well developed. I so see. even oh, though I the see. virus Amazing. is is eventually works its way out, it doesn't mm. cause as much inflammation. And so the 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 severity of the immune response, which ends up um, you know making you sick, is not as high in children. So that's a theory. That's, that's so why. paradoxical. Your immune system is supposed to protect you. Right, but sometimes it goes overboard. <laughs> Over Just like with panic. <laughs>
And it's just very bad because, you know, you're the one trying to address the problem and people are yelling at you and it's very difficult to concentrate. How long do you think, Doc, before we can adequately contain this virus threat, this new virus? Yeah, so it's difficult to give a number. Even WHO is saying it's still early in the epidemic and this could go either way. But right now, we're seeing some encouraging signs that the containment is working. We haven't had a new case in the Philippines for Mm, more than a week now. That's right. We've been testing like crazy. I had patients (laughs) over the weekend that I was testing. Thank God they were negative. I mean, I'm Mm. on the front lines. I see. We are testing people. We are admitting people if they have travel history. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, in, even in China, it seems like the number of cases are starting to peak. Mm, so see. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, hopefully everyone has their fingers crossed. There's also uh, the, the possibility that, you know, just like SARS, it just burns itself out. Mm. And that's probably the best way it could go out. That mm. just suddenly, you know, it'll, it'll taper off and go away. But mm. because we know that this is also a much more contagious virus, mm-hmm. it's also possible it can establish a community foothold and continue to circulate over the next few years. Mm. But by that time, hopefully, we will have a vaccine and effective medication. So mm-hmm. at least we can buy time. Mm-hmm. Well, keep on updating us, Doc, through your Facebook posts. Of course. <laughs> That was the second part of my conversation with Dr. Edsel Salvagna, Infectious Disease Specialist and Director of the Institute of Molecular Biology and Biotechnology, National Institutes of Health, University of the Philippines in Manila. Don't miss the first part. Subscribe to Conversations with Randy David on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Conversations with Randy David is a Puma podcast co-production. Follow us on Facebook.